It's a great thing. It's Baptism Sunday. We'll be baptizing three people today, and then maybe in a couple weeks, baptize a couple more. But for now, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So turn your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one to chair around you, hopefully. Um, we're starting to get a little thin because people are taking them. If you don't have a Bible, that would be our gift to you. We're going to be on page 986 in that Bible. And will you guys please stand as we do every week to honor the word of the Lord. First Thessalonians 2, verse 8, it says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you have become so very dear to us. Let's pray. Father, what a great verse. Most of us might be familiar with this verse. This verse speaks of, of love. This verse speaks of the gospel. This verse speaks of of, of us living and doing life together, for, particularly for here, the people in the church, but also those outside. And Lord, as my prayer, as we get ready to start a new season with a new school season, uh, new friends, new relationships might be formed as well as old ones, that we would be informed by Paul this morning and pull out three simple principles of, of what drove his ministry, that were pillars of his ministry that can also be pillars of ours. So that when we walk in love, when we walk in the gospel, when we walk in life with one another, Lord, that you will bring people to repentance and ultimately then to baptism. And Lord, that's what we celebrate today. Your gospel going out, motivated by love, in context of relationships, and then people coming to faith and being baptized. So Lord, I please give eyes to see and ears to hear this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, go ahead and have a seat. So as I already mentioned, we're going to get to celebrate the legacy of King Jesus building his kingdom through the people here at the crossing. Um, A healthy church, if you're a part of a healthy church, a a healthy church sees transformation, sees growth, see people cross over from death to life, hence we get the name of the crossing. We want to see people crossed over from death to life upon hearing the gospel proclaimed in relationships. And over the last eight years that the crossing has been alive, we've been averaging over a little bit over 10 baptisms a year. So the Lord is moving in this church. And today we get to celebrate with Tim Maddock and Abigail and Lana um, Anison their new lives in Christ. Their lives will never be the same because someone was motivated by love to share the gospel with them in relationship and they've received their need for the Savior. They repented and trusted in Him and, and they're going to celebrate that by being baptized. And I want to ask you a little Sunday school question today, all right? Who was first to be baptized in the Bible? Who was first to be baptized in the Bible? Now, immediately, we, our minds might go to John the Baptist, right, in Matthew chapter 3, and that's, and that's probably correct, but Paul has an interesting statement in 1 Corinthians where he talks first baptism, the first people to be baptized were baptized into Moses, Exodus through the Red Sea. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 1, it says, For I urge you to know, brothers, that the fathers who were under the cloud and passed through the sea all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And really that baptism there is a dry baptism. It's Paul uh, uh, making an analogous statement to the union with Christ that we receive fully and clearly in the New Testament. You see, Israel was running from Egypt. The sin was pursuing them. They went through the sea. And then as the sin was trying to pursue them to kill them, Egypt, God's power 
crushed them with the sea, and Egypt, I mean uh, Israel, and God's people were redeemed and freed. And that's a picture pointing forward to what we see in, in Matthew chapter 3, beginning with John the Baptist. We see that John the Baptist was in the wilderness calling people to repent of their sins, and people were flocking to him from all over that region. And, and, and what John was doing was, was pointing them to the Messiah to come. The reason why you can confess your sins and be saved is because there's a Messiah that's going to come and make payment for your sins. He's going to be your Savior. And then all of a sudden, Jesus walks on the scene. You guys remember when we went through John, when, when John the Baptist saw him, he said what? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And at that moment, Jesus was baptized by John. Then you fast forward to Acts, where we really see the ordinance of the sacra- uh, sacrament of the, of the church in baptism happen and begin in Acts chapter 2. Paul preaches this incredible sermon. He's filled by the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people come to faith and then are baptized immediately in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And we get that great verse in Acts chapter 2, 42, talking about uh, the Lord's table and baptism and the word and prayer, which were the staple points of the early church. And again, this baptism, though, was pointing people back to Jesus. It was back to Jesus. And their baptism, whether it's John or Jesus or, or the apostles, signifies union with Christ. And so does our baptism. Baptism is a signification of our union with Christ. Because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we can be united with Christ and forgiven and now walk in newness of life. And today, that's what we're going to celebrate. This legacy that was started by Jesus and John and the early church. But in particular, we also see this in the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And what I want to do briefly is is take a look at 1 Thessalonians 2.8 and Paul living out his faith. There's some pillars that Paul has in his life that that are part of his ministry. And you really can't separate his ministry and life. Life is ministry and ministry is life for the Apostle Paul and also for you and me. And these three pillars I've already mentioned a number of times that we see in 1 Thessalonians 2.8 are this. Love. First, uh, the gospel is we're motivated by love. Love from God to us. The reason why we love God is because God first loved us and then he shed his love abroad in our hearts through his spirit. Second is the gospel. It's the proclamation of the gospel. And the third pillar we see is that Paul lived life with each other. Life on life ministry. And again, not only for the Apostle Paul, but these pillars should be our pillars for ministry and life as well. So let's dive in real quick to these three pillars. The first pillar of the life and ministry is love, is love. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul says, So being affectionately desirous of you, And then go down to the end there, because you have become so very dear from us. That's graphic language. That's that's language that's passionate. It's it's, it's vivid. So being affectionately desirous of you, because you've become so so very dear to us. I mean, you can almost see Paul reaching out and wanting to hug the Thessalonians, right? Give them a little kiss. Because he has such passion for them. These actions, these desirings, these longings flow from love. Literally, you can quote this statement, affectionately desire of you like this, because you are beloved. Because you are beloved. Because I love you so much, therefore I share. We see that love is the motivating factor here for Paul and his desires for the people of Thessalonica. See, Paul had an intense personality as we, we know. He was, he was a passionate man. He was, he was compulsive. He was zealous. 
When he put his mind to something, he went after it. We were reminded in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, when he talks about apart from Christ, he was a, a persecutor of the church. As for zeal, as for passion, I was a persecutor of the church. He took pride in that. His goal was to eradicate the way or the Christians as it was getting going. But then in Acts chapter 9, Jesus meets Paul. Paul's on his way to ravage Christians in Damascus, and Jesus meets him, knocks him off a horse. And now Paul is overwhelmed with Jesus' affections and love. He's overwhelmed with Jesus' zeal for his glory. And Paul gets a glimpse of that. He gets a taste of that. He gets a taste of this greater desire, this greater love from Christ to Paul's soul. Paul experiences that, and his next thing is, man, if, if, if this is what it feels like to be loved by Jesus, then everyone's got to hear about this love. Everyone's got to experience this love. He was overwhelmed with Jesus' love. Therefore, every person he comes in contact here, it's the Thessalonians, he is affectionately desirous for those people. You see, and what does this communicate to us this morning? How, how do we look at this pillar in Paul's life and in Christ's life? And how does it translate to us? Well, it translates the exact same way it translated to Paul. When you and I experience God's overwhelming, zealous love, his affections for you, for me, it does something to us. It changes us. It changes our orientation. It changes our direction in life. We are no longer worried about self as much but now we become outward focused. We start looking to others. We become others oriented because Jesus gave us this love. We experience this love. Now we go and want others to experience this love, this affection, this passion as well. We're no longer focused on just ourselves primarily, but now we become others oriented. That's how it hits us this morning. If you've been loved by Jesus and you experience his desires and affections for you, you have been changed. And now your affections aren't so much looking inward as they are now outward. Jesus says, as you recall from our study in John, in the upper room in John chapter 13. Again, this is when Jesus just has the apostles, the 12 or the 11 in the room, and he's sending them out to be on mission. He says, this is the cornerstone. This is the heartbeat of the mission. A new commandment I give you, that you love yourself first and then others, right? You guys remember that? No, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. There it is. The motivation is that of love. Therefore, if you are in Christ, this characteristic is and should be descriptive of your life. Remember, we talked about this. There should be no one in your life that lacks love. Because you are compelled and guided and motivated by Christ's love for you. You are a lover of others, in particular the church. Those here at the crossing, as we see here with Paul and Thessalonica, that you and I have the same mind, that we love one another. And when we do that, God is going to do something incredible within us. There's going to be an outside world that's looking on, that's thirsty for love. That's striving to find this kind of love and affections towards them and so many other things, but it's found in Jesus. And they're going to see it's in us. And they're going to ask us, hey, I see how you guys love one another and your affections and your desires are drawn to one another. How you serve and encourage and build one another up. I need that. And we're going to be able to share then the goodness of the gospel, which will be our second point here in a second. 
This has been a pillar of our life and ministry since day one at the crossing. This would be the heartbeat, that we would love God first and foremost and that we would love one another. And then people would be drawn to that. And over the past eight years, we have seen this come through in spades. The Lord has, I think, blessed us and grown the crossing because of that, because of our desire and our commitment to understanding and being motivated by the love of Christ and His affections. I was meeting with a church planner a couple weeks ago, and this is what he said about this body. He's visiting the different churches and around just to kind of get a feel for Fort Collins and what's going on. He said, man, there's one thing. The crossing has a lot of great things going for him. But the first thing that I noticed is when I walked in those doors for the first time as a visitor, as someone that didn't know anybody in here, I was welcomed. I was warmly greeted. I felt loved by this group. And that is a constant that I've been hearing over the last eight years about you and this, and this body is that we are a body that loves people, not only visitors, but also each other. I can't say, I can think of many different ways in which you guys have shown your love towards me, towards my family. I look at your guys' faces and I can and spend here for hours talking about how you have loved one another and poured out your desires for one another, the way you've served one another. It's an incredible thing that's happening here. And that will continue to happen here. So let's continue to carry on and be motivated by God's love for us, by being affectionately desirous of one another, first and foremost in this room and then also outside of this room. Second, the second pillar of life and ministry is the gospel. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share. That word share means to to impart, to, to give away with you not only the gospel, but also our own lives. So we see that this love, this motivation prompts us to do something. It should prompt us to to share, to, to give away what? First and foremost, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Paul understood that first and foremost, what everyone needed in their life to be the foundational point of their life was the gospel. Just when he was knocked off there in Acts chapter 9, the gospel was what he needed and he built his life on from there on. And he was ready to share with anyone he could and everyone he came in contact with. His life was built on the gospel. And he wanted other people's lives to be built on the gospel. Why? Because that's where abundant love is. That's where fullness of joy resides. Resides in Christ and his good news. You recall Paul Right in the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15, we know that the, the Corinthian church was struggled. They had their issues. They were not a very healthy church. And so Paul writes this letter to them and he says, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you, are, which you received, which you are saved, what saved you, in which you stand, what, what you build your life on now, and by what you are being saved. That will, the gospel will keep you until the end. And so what you see is the gospel is for every day of life. It's the A to Z of life, as Tim Keller said. You see, when Paul was addressing the Corinthian church and all these issues, he didn't give them five steps to, to overcome sexual immorality and greed. He didn't even give us a, hey, there's seven ways for a healthy marriage. He said, no, what you need is the gospel. That's what you need. You need to be reminded of the gospel of God, of God's great love for you, that God set his affections on humanity that was in rebellion against him, that he sent his only son, Jesus, to live the perfect life in your place, to die on the cross 
to make payment for sin that you should have died on and made payment for. And then he rose again. This is the best news ever. And this is what Paul wanted to build his life on. He wanted to share was that of the gospel. One said this about the gospel. The gospel is not a doctrine of the tongue, but of life. It cannot be grasped by reason and memory only. Yes, it's intellectual, but not only that, but it fully understood, but when fully understood, it possesses the whole soul and penetrates to the inner recesses of the heart. That's what the gospel does. Has the gospel done that to you? Has it so overtaken your heart and your soul that you can't put it on a shelf somewhere? That you gotta talk about, you gotta proclaim it to people that don't know Jesus, to your wife, to your kids, to your friends, to your coworkers. Not only for salvation, but for life. The gospel is what needs to be central. Paul knows this, and he wants to get this out. There might be some of you in here saying, man, I don't have that love, but I want that love. I don't have that peace, but I want that peace. I don't have that gospel, but I want that gospel. I want that good news. And that's why Jesus firstly came. And in Mark chapter 10, he says, Jesus didn't come to what? Be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, because that's what love does. Love gives itself to others, right? What we talked about already in the principle number one. And this giving is the gospel, is the message, the proclamation of what Jesus has done for you and me. Today, if you aren't a part of the many, you can be a part of the many that Jesus came to ransom and die for. And you do that by repenting. You see your sin, your rebellion against God, and you turn, you repent, and you trust in what Christ has done for you. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And when you do that, you get fullness of joy, and you get love. Paul understood this. And this morning, we get to celebrate, again, three individuals of this very truth of of being baptized. Motivated by love, someone shared the gospel with them. First, we have Tim, a young man here. Someone uh, shared the gospel with him, lived life with him, which we will see. And then we have these two sisters a family, a husband and wife, and Chad and Jordana wanting to, to bring their children up in the ways of the Lord. And they, and they loved not only Jesus, but they loved their kids so much that they wanted to proclaim the gospel to them. And they did through life and action and what happens. They see their need for a Savior. They repent and they believe. And their life is changed for eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm going to get behind something like that. I'm going to give my life to something like that. Something that can change your life for eternity. I know many of you are in as well. I mean, think about that for a second. People hear the gospel, they get saved, and their life has changed for eternity. That's awesome. You and I have been given the mission to change people's lives forever with a simple message. All we have to do is proclaim it and live it. Are we perfect? No, but that's why we need the gospel, to show people the need for the gospel. Now, that's incredible, right? When you share the gospel and someone comes to faith, that's incredible. But it's even better than that. Why is it better than that? Because when you share it, people come to faith, they start to grow. They start to have these affections. They experience God's love. And then what do they want to do? They want to give it away. So what do they do? They start giving it away. And what happens? Other people start to get saved. So by the time you and I get to heaven, because of your faithfulness for one message, There might be hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that are going to come up to you and say, thank you for stepping out in faith and sharing the gospel. Because of you, my life has changed. So not only do we get to impact one person, 
We have the opportunity with the power of the Spirit informed by the gospel to impact hundreds, if not thousands of people. Who wants to get behind that? Who wants to have their life count for something? I know we all do. Here is the biggest way that we can do that. It's incredible. So think about this. Who do you need to share the gospel with in your life this week? Someone at work? Is it, is it someone that you, you have a hobby with and you go play in the mountains or wherever you guys go? Is it at a book club? Is it with your spouse? Grandma, grandpa? Is it with your sons or with your daughters? Who do you need to share the gospel with? Not only for salvation, but then also maybe in this body, in your life group. They're walking through a trial. Or maybe they need the gospel spoken into their lives, just like Paul says to the Corinthians. This is what I remind you, brothers. The gospel you received in which you stand in which you are being saved. Who is that in your life this week? When's the last time you shared the gospel? This year, this month, this week. If you haven't, God wants to use you. So pray and ask Him. The Spirit would reveal to you who, who that person is or persons this, this week, this month. Look for opportunities to share. Again, not only outside of Christ, but also here. And then finally, it leads us to the third principle. I told you this is going to be a short message. The third principle, the third pillar of life and ministry is life on life. Is life on life. Verse 8. So being effectually desirous of you, we are ready to share not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Our own selves. Our lives. Paul gave his life, his total being, to this mission. And to the people in which he came in contact with. And here was the Thessalonians. When he was with Philippi, where he's in prison, he sent a letter to Philippi. It was them. With Ephesus, he gave three years to the people of Ephesus. He poured out his life in words and deeds. And notice this. Notice it didn't say, I did all this, but we ourselves. It's plural. Paul always had companions. He always had people around him that he was discipling, that he was teaching, that he was training, that he also had alongside to encourage him. He was never alone. He was never isolated. He was always doing this in community with people around him, life on life, along the road of life. And that is the same for you and me. You see, the Bible primarily, the Bible story, the big narrative of the story of of, of God is not about individuals. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God advancing on this earth. And the kingdom of God is made up of individuals, but primarily it's about the kingdom of God and individuals living together in community to make up one body to move forward to impact the world. Therefore, we are profoundly dependent on one another in here. I know we live in America, and I know it says you don't need anyone, but Jesus in the church says we need each other. If we're going to be Christians that love God, if we're going to be effective Christians, we can't be in isolation. We need to live in community. We are profoundly dependent on one another. It takes a church, a community, to raise a fruit-bearing Christian. That's why you see throughout the New Testament, in particular with Jesus, and he had these 12 apostles with him, living with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They were constantly around one another. Why? Because this is the staple point of Christ's ministry and our ministry, that we do things together. In Acts, we see that men on Sundays at the big gathering like this, but then also throughout the week, they met house to house, what we call life groups. 
So what it looked like for Paul to share his life with the Thessalonians, the Philippians, the Ephesians, Colossians. Even though he didn't go there, he wrote them a letter. He sent a disciple to go and do that, Epaphras. And is it a reasonable model for us? We're talking about these pillars. Are these attainable attributes for us, characteristics for you and me? Can we follow Paul as he followed Christ, as he said, right? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So let's look at that. First, we already said number one is love. Love. We're motivated by the love of Christ that has been shed abroad in your hearts. Second, we see the, the proclamation of the gospel. That Paul taught the gospel. He shared the gospel. He debated the gospel. He counseled with the gospel in many different contexts. How about prayer? We see Paul throughout all these epistles praying continually with the people he was living with all the time. I mean, think about who you pray for in your prayers. Are your prayers saturated with people here at the crossing that you're doing life with? Are they saturated with people in your workplace or who you go and experience joy and fun times with? He engaged in the social context. He engaged in society. He knew what was going on in society. Remember when he goes to Acts, in Acts chapter 17, he goes to, uh, he goes to Athens. And he says, men of Athens, he walks around the city, gets the temperature of the city, sees what's going on in the city. So then he contextualizes the gospel to what's happening. He says, I see all these statues. I perceive you're very religious. Now let's have a dialogue. So he's engaged in society. Do you know what's going on in this city, in your neighborhood? Are you able to engage people. That's what he talks about when he lived. He, he worshiped with them every Sunday. And then from house to house, from week to week in the smaller groups. We see that in Acts chapter 20. He encouraged and strengthened them in Acts chapter 14. He rejoiced with them in the good times and he wept with them in the bad times. And we can go on and on. And you really want to see Acts chapter 20 where he says to the Ephesians, uh, Ephesus, he says, you yourselves know how I lived among you. Look at my life. This is what it looks like. Can you do those things? Are those things attainable for you? Of course they are. Of course they are. So look at your life. Follow Paul as he follows Christ. I mean, we have a, a great opportunity. Again, the summer's kind of winding down. The school year kind of, you know, brings everyone home to a settle, gets in a new routine, kind of more of a consistent routine for the next nine months. I know for like the Santinis, you know, Maddie's going to be a freshman at Rocky. So we have our last, our last uh, child of five and a freshman with Stephen there. And we go, we're going to meet new families through their sports. Maddie plays volleyball, Stephen plays lacrosse. We're going to meet new families and we're going to have an opportunity to build new relationships and share these characteristics with those people. You too as well. In your job, I just caught Cecily. She's a little elementary school teacher. She's going to have, you know, 20 little kids and little families that she's going to be able to impact with the gospel. Many of you, when you go into your job, just new seasons. And take advantage of these new opportunities. These new opportunities to live life with new people, but also to live life and get reengaged here at the crossing in life groups. In life groups. See, again, this has been a staple point of the crossing. Again, I think this is a reason why the Lord has blessed us because we're just following what Scripture tells us to follow. Informed by God's Word, empowered by His Spirit, motivated by the love of Christ, good things happen. Lives are transformed. And so as we look at these three, these three pillars, 
First and foremost, we're motivated by the love of Christ. His affectionate desires for you then points us to others-oriented, and we are now passionately looking to serve and love others. And the best way we do that is through sharing the gospel, not in words, but also in deeds. And then we do that in the context of life-on-life ministry. It's really that simple. It's not hard. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand this. And so let's continue to be about that here. Now, are we perfect in doing this? Of course we're not perfect. I already lost it a couple times with a guy this summer on a lacrosse team who was a non-believer that I had to go back and ask for forgiveness for. But that testifies to him. It shows him that, that I'm a defaulted man who needs saving. One thing we used to say around here, and I think we should bring it back as we talk about this truth, is we are just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. We do that in humility. So let's continue to be a people that loves Jesus and loves each other, that proclaims the gospel in word and deed, and we do that in the context of life. And as we do that, people's lives will be transformed. Your life, my life. Some people will transform from death to life, and then we'll start celebrating more and more baptisms like we're going to do today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these quick, simple truths and these quick reminders of your goodness found in uh, Paul's life, which was found in your life. Paul's life was motivated by love, empowered by the gospel, and done in the context of life on life. And Lord, that is our desire here. And so Lord, as we take, uh, get ready for communion, Lord, um, and then we celebrate baptisms, Lord, let's, let us focus as a people on those three principles this week. As we lead, as we go and talk over lunch, that, that these pillars would be at the forefront of our conversations with our spouses, with our friends, with our coworkers, on how to impact the people around us for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.